the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 40 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is your host, estate planning attorney, Bob Bergman, broadcasting from the Death Warmed Over studio in San Jose, California, where I am uh, feeling like uh, death warmed over. Uh, If you've ever had that feeling, you know kind of what I'm going through right now. Um, Last night was was a very difficult night. Lots of coughing. Lots of um, things coughed up and everything else. So I, I clearly have, a, at very least, a bad cold. And uh, I have almost no energy right now. And uh, so if you're expecting some kind of top 40 DJ on the show today, that's not going to happen. Um, I don't do top 40. It's never been my thing. Uh, I may cough occasionally because I am experiencing an increase in coughing. But we're going to power on through. Now, last Friday, I talked about whether or not I was going to do some more of my estate planning workshops. And as it turns out, I absolutely am. I have scheduled three estate planning workshops in my office, uh, and it's going to be uh, here the last week of this month on uh, Wednesday. Let's look at the date here so I get it absolutely right. Wednesday, December 28th, three workshops at 9.30, 11 o'clock, and 1 o'clock p.m. And they're our workshops They follow the format of the workshops I've been doing the last several months, uh, going over planning priorities for estate planning. Uh, People are already registering for the workshops. Uh, To keep it real, each workshop only has room for 12 people to attend. So I'm doing three workshops to give a lucky 36 people the opportunity to attend and come and hear hear me speak and also do some analysis for estate planning for themselves and for their families. To register, couldn't be easier, go to my website at lawbob.com and click on the link at the top for seminars and workshops. It will take you to a page that gives a detailed description of the workshop 
and then there will be three buttons on the page. Each button is assigned specifically to one of the start times. So select the start time you want, click on that button. You can register more than one person. Uh, if you want to come with a spouse or partner or with, uh, with a group from your retirement community or uh, bringing maybe your children who are teachers because they're off, uh, bringing them in, you can register for more than one spot by registering there. Just indicate how many you want. And as long as there are enough available for that time, you'll be able to get the tickets to come on that date and time. So I thought today I would break a little bit from my usual format and instead spend the show talking about some basic estate planning concepts and basic estate planning legal documents, what they are and why we use them. I'm going to start with the more straightforward ones first and then move eventually into a discussion of the living trust. The first document that I think is incredibly important for everyone to have, and that means everyone who is 18 years and older, is an advanced health care directive. An advanced health care directive consists actually of two legal documents working together at the same time. One is a medical power of attorney where you have granted authority to someone to make medical and healthcare decisions for you if you're no longer able to communicate with your doctors. And then closely tied to that is a directive to physicians which is directions to your doctors about what you want them to do or not do regarding your health care. Now, the directive to physicians typically only takes effect if you do not have an agent, a health care agent, under your advanced health care directive. So, um, but the document that I prepare combines these two legal documents into one so that you always have the director to physicians as the backup. Now, I believe the advanced health care directive is one of the most important legal documents that you could ever draw up for yourself. I say that because one of the realities is it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. I mean, if you're Bill Gates and you're in the ICU and you're unable to communicate anymore, it doesn't matter that you're worth billions of dollars. Everybody is on a level playing field when they're incapacitated in the ICU. That's just a fact. So making sure that you've given instructions for your health care when you can no longer direct it yourself becomes of critical importance. And those instructions could include up to and including specific directions that under certain sets of circumstances, your health care providers are directed to discontinue providing you certain kinds of health care, uh, specifically to discontinue health care that is being used perhaps 
to keep you alive even though there is no real benefit to keeping you alive anymore because they can't make you better and and all they can do is maybe even just keep your body alive uh, well past the time that maybe your mind has already checked out and gone away. So I think an advanced healthcare directive is ultimately one of the most important documents you can prepare because it gives you the ability to direct your care when you're no longer able to talk directly with the doctors and direct your care. It's very important that when you have an advanced health care directive that you name a person or persons that are going to carry out your wishes. For example, don't necessarily pick the child you're closest to if they're not going to be able to make the hard decision to direct that all life support be turned off for you if that's in fact what your wishes are. Uh, in some cases, you might be better off having uh, having the child who is a little more uh, cold-hearted analysis and will actually follow through with your wishes, even over their own personal opinion. It's very, very important uh, also to really consider whether you should have more than one person named as your healthcare agent to serve at a time, especially if you're not sure if they're going to be able to get along or they're going to fight about uh, what the choices are going to be. You certainly do not want to be put into the situation where you're going to be uh, having your your fate decided by healthcare agents who cannot agree on what it is that um, that they want you to do, or that you want them to do rather. So that's just something to consider right there. It's uh, it's very very important that you have those healthcare agents that you've named uh, follow through with your wishes. So we'll come back after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back. Second segment of the show today, I'm going to talk about another important legal document that we prepare prepare as part of an estate plan, and that is the durable power of attorney. Now, a durable power of attorney is a legal document where you give authority to someone, typically called your agent or maybe more formally, your attorney in fact, that's opposed as to uh, attorney at law, which is what I'm at. And the attorney in fact is given the authority to make financial decisions for you, to file your tax returns for you, uh, also the authority to... Um, to deal with government agencies such as uh, Medicare, Medi-Cal, the DMV, 
uh, the IRS, the Franchise Tax Board, Veterans Administration, all those kinds of things. So the, the agent under a financial power of attorney is very similar to, but not exactly equivalent to, the trustee of a trust. And uh, the thing, one major difference is that when you have a financial power of attorney and you pass away, the authority of the agent in the financial power of attorney immediately ends the moment your life ends. So there's no authority beyond your lifetime for a power of attorney. Now, we use powers of attorney in estate planning for a lot of purposes, but probably the main ones are to handle with and deal with assets that are not placed into a trust, but may need to be accessed in order to pull monies out, such as a retirement plan. Retirement plans are not transferred into the ownership of a trust. Uh, they cannot be transferred into the ownership of a trust while you're alive because that would be considered a distribution of the plan while you're alive, which could be a very, very bad tax consequence for you if that were to happen. At the same time, having a financial power of attorney gives a lot of flexibility for someone that you've named your agent, if you will, to handle a lot of things for you and to also work closely with whoever you have named as the trustee of a trust that you've established. Now, it can be the same person. I've heard people say that, oh, you should have somebody different as your financial agent than who you have as the trustee of your trust. I'm not sure why that would be. They are, in fact, different jobs covering different asset aspects of your financial life um, and, and really covering uh, your personal life, financial power of attorney. That's the person who can go to court and defend you if you got sued in court or who could file a lawsuit on your behalf if you were injured. Uh, that's the person who could file a lawsuit on your behalf as your agent and prosecute that lawsuit to try and recover monies for your injuries suffered. So the financial power of attorney, which uh, appoints an agent for you, is another very important part of the estate planning lineup. I think of the estate planning legal documents as being kind of like a professional sports team where each legal document has specific way that it's created and has specific authority and deals with specific aspects of your life, uh, typically aspects of your life while you're alive, but in the case of a trust, uh, aspects of your life after you have died. So really, if you think of an estate plan as being like a sports team, you actually determine which one of the players on the team 
is used depending on what the question is. If you're looking at who can file somebody's income tax return for them, well, that is their agent under a financial power of attorney. Who can decide where the person lives while they're recovering uh, from a surgery and they're incapacitated? That's going to be the agent, the healthcare agent under an advanced healthcare directive, working with the financial agent and perhaps also with the trustee of the trust to obtain the funding necessary for where the person is going to be going for rehab. So just like sports plays will have uh, certain players involved in every play and certain players involved only on certain types of plays, estate planning um, tools or estate planning members in an estate plan have different aspects of when they're used and it depends completely on what you're trying to accomplish at any given time. Now, there's another document that is typically prepared uh, with an estate plan, and I know people are sometimes surprised to hear that we prepare a will when somebody has a trust that they prepared. People might say, well, why do we need a will? We set up a trust, we put everything in the trust. Well, the answer is sometimes things go wrong. Sometimes people acquire assets later in life and they neglect to title them properly into the ownership of their trust and then die. And lo and behold, there's an asset that should have been in the trust but wasn't in the trust. And now we have to figure out what to do to get it into the trust. Enter the special type of will called the pour over will. And we call it the pour over will. In fact, I explicitly call the wills I prepare in an estate plan pour over will on the face of the will document itself to emphasize that the purpose of the will is to take loose property in someone's name when they died and pick it up and pour it over into the trust that they had already established. Hence the term pour over will. Kind of like, you know, picking up a pitcher filled with water and then pouring the water into a bowl with the bowl being the living trust ownership. Pour over wills are very, very important to have because they can be clear evidence that someone intended property to end up in their trust. Just one piece of the evidence. In some counties, not many, but in some counties, that's sufficient evidence for a court to actually direct assets to be turned over to a trust after someone has died. That's not the case here in Santa Clara County. They need more evidence than just a pour over will but it certainly is a good start. So pour over will, very important and definitely a part of any kind of comprehensive estate plan. So we're coming up on the mid-show break. When we come back, I'm going to start going into what the living trust is and the things that are kind of prepared as part of the living trust overall. Um, to make sure that we have as many things in place as is possible 
so that there is in fact no um, there is in fact um, no problems if we have to deal with the court system to get assets into someone's trust after they've died. So after the mid-show break, we'll come back. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you on the other side. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back to the third segment of the show today where I go into the complexities of just what is a living trust. Now, many people have heard of trust before. And uh, people have heard of a revocable trust, an irrevocable trust. I can tell you that there are dozens of different types of trusts out there. I don't handle all of them. I do several of them as part of my planning, but very rarely some of them. Uh, Just because most people don't have a need for many of the more rare trust um, approaches that are out there. I emphasize in my practice the revocable living trust. And what exactly does a revocable living trust mean? Well, a living trust is actually an agreement that you make with yourself if you are unmarried or with your spouse if you are married that says how you're going to own and hold and use your property to take care of you, perhaps to take care of others such as children or elderly relatives, and then also how that property is going to be held and distributed or not distributed when you pass away. So the living trust is an agreement that you make Uh, between spouses. It's kind of like a contract. When it's just with yourself, it still is kind of like a contract. And you might be saying, how can you make a contract with yourself? Well, it's basically because you're entering into an agreement with yourself in two different legal capacities. One as an individual and one as trustee of a trust. Now, what is the trustee of a trust? Trustee of a trust is the person or persons or organization that is put in charge of actually carrying out the wishes of the creator of the trust, called the settlor or trustor, sometimes the grantor, uh, and carry out their wishes as to how they want their property held administered and or distributed during their lifetime or after death. So that's basically what a revocable living trust is. Now, when you have property owned by a revocable living trust, the main advantage that it has is that you're actually, uh, you're actually keeping that property out of uh, the probate court. In other words, you're making it so that uh, that 
no one actually has to go to probate court for the property that's owned by the trust because you have avoided the probate process entirely. However, mistakes sometimes happen. So it's very important that as part of a trust, there is also um, a schedule or schedules of assets indicating what types of assets are owned by or intended to be owned by the trust. That's important because if you have a schedule of assets like that, or what's also sometimes a general assignment of assets by categories of asset to the trust, that can be used as the basis for a court in the future to declare that something that you owned or acquired later uh, was intended to be owned by your trust and the judge could sign a court order directing that that asset be turned over to the ownership of the trust without going through the whole probate process. This type of court action is generally called a Hegstat petition and I do um, a fair number of Hegstat petitions every year, probably at least a dozen or more. And it is basically to get loose property into someone's trust after they've died. And the most common loose property is somebody owned a house. Somewhere along the way, they, they refinanced the house and the lender made them take the ownership out of the trust in order to put a new loan on and then they never transferred it back into the trust so it's now in the person's name instead of in the trust name even though it's very clear from the history that it was intended to be an asset of the trust. In a case like that a Hegstat petition can be used to have the property moved back into the trust ownership without going through the whole probate process, which is, uh, besides being completely public, is lengthy, in the case of real estate, very costly, and, uh, and there's filing fees that, that have, to be, um, have to be utilized if you have to go through probate to get that property into the trust. Then you've got uh, quite a bit of filing fees notice fees, a court-appointed appraiser fee. So there's a lot of fees and costs associated with going through probate to get an asset or assets into the trust. Um, those fees and costs can be reduced to a more manageable level by doing a Hegstat petition as long as you have the documentation lined up ahead of time. Uh, in the estate plans that I prepare, the trust itself has general assignment language in it intended to cover everything that was acquired now and in the future. There's a general assignment of assets that goes into much more detail about categories of assets, uh, including any retirement plan or life insurance where there was a failure of beneficiaries. By that I mean that the named beneficiary on that plan or that life insurance had already died, which would typically cause that plan 
to fall into the taxable probate estate of the person who was insured or the person who owned that uh, retirement plan. And by having this language, that should be sufficient for a court to say, this problem was anticipated by the creator of the trust, and he specifically directed that if this were to happen, he intends that money or those monies to be owned by his trust, so we can just declare them part of the trust and we don't have to go through the whole probate process uh, to get those monies into the trust. So that's, um, that's kind of what uh, I look at living trust planning for. It's for probate avoidance. When you take a trust that owns your property and you have a financial power of attorney uh, to handle any assets in your individual name, such as retirement plans, uh, where you might need to get funds out of the retirement plan for your care, and then Healthcare, having an advanced health care directive uh, because you may need someone to make medical and health care decisions for you. When you add all of those documents together working as a team, you can basically avoid conservatorship as well. Conservatorship is a guardianship for an adult, uh, much like children who lose parents need a guardian appointed by the court to take care of them, maybe to take charge of whatever monies or property they've received. Well, the same thing can happen with an adult, only we call it a conservator here in California, not a guardian. But if we've done the proper pre-planning with proper legal documents that are naming the people that are in charge of these various aspects of... Uh, of someone's financial and medical affairs. We can avoid going through the conservatorship process, which can save several thousands of dollars because it's not cheap to go through the conservatorship process in any county. It's, uh, it is more expensive than people actually realize. So... That is what we're doing when we're doing an estate plan. We want to avoid conservatorship, and we also want to avoid probate at death. So conservatorship while you're alive, probate at death, and if everything is done properly, then we're going to avoid things at both ends. You know, if you become incapacitated, avoid conservatorship, and on your death, avoid probate. And that's kind of a brief summary today of the documents that make up a comprehensive estate plan. This is most of what I do as an attorney. Um, and I do it for individuals. I do it for married couples. I do it for unmarried couples, uh, registered domestic partners, uh, pretty much anyone that needs assistance, I can assist them. Uh, with this type of planning. Uh, I've been doing it over 40 years, and if this is something that you think might be of interest, go to my website at lawbob.com, or you can click on a button to book a free consultation with me, which can either be on the telephone 
in a Zoom meeting or in person in my office, whatever works the best for you. So we're coming up on the end of the third segment today. When we come back, I'll finish off today's show of Plan Your Estate Radio, probably with some questions and comments from around the state. So this is attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll catch you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So, I'm going to close out the show today with um, with some questions and comments from around the state of California, uh, which is kind of my usual format for the show. And uh, so let's dive right into that. Here's something out of uh, Red Bluff, California. Person said, um, I'm currently in the final stages of a probate, which I've done myself. The heirs, which are my aunt and my mother, waive their rights of inheritance over to me so that I can keep my grandfather's home without selling it because it's very sentimental to us. And I covered all expenses as far as paid the mortgage, creditors, taxes, etc. When I place the final order, and if the judge grants it, will I then be able to transfer the home to me? Well, if the mother, if the aunt and the mother filed disclaimers with the court saying that they didn't want to receive it, then that means presumably it could then be passed on to this person as the the next in line of inheritance. But there's more information that would be needed to determine whether or not uh, whether or not there there is actually um, something that can be done uh, to make sure that this actually passes to the person. I'm not so sure that uh, just saying, you know, well, the aunt and the mother have given up their claim, that may not, not necessarily accomplish anything. If the aunt had children, if the if there's other children of the mother, I don't really know. So I'm going to kind of leave that lay there and say, uh, I don't know that I have a definitive answer for that situation. Okay, I'm going to skip over that one right there. Okay, San Diego, California. My grandma wants to include me in her will again after being taken off. How does she do that? I was taken off because I thought I would not be able to get my money because of tax problems. But now I'm able to get it now, so that's what I'm being, why I'm being put back on. Well, Grandma can put you back on the same way that she had you on in the first place and took you off at a later time by doing a new will. 
uh, and including you back. So I'm not sure. It seems like kind of a very simple question. Um, you just kind of reverse what Grandma did last time. Uh, she can create a new will that uh, includes this grandchild as uh, to receive money or property. I'm, of course, assuming that Grandma is still legally competent and, and able to, to actually legally make a change to her estate plan. That's kind of the presumption here, that she still has her mental capacity to do that. But that would pretty much be how Grandma would do that. Okay, out of San Diego, California. I just got a copy of my uncle's trust, and it didn't have where it was included, how much money I was getting. How do I find that out? How do I know how much I'm entitled to from a trust? Well, if there's not an explicit list of assets in the trust with values, then that's going to be dependent on valuing what the uncle owned and determining from the trust if you're getting a percentage of that. And really, it's a whole process right there uh, to value things, to determine the percentage, and then that will determine um, how much you're going to be getting from the trust. So that's pretty straightforward. I can't think of anything more straightforward than that. From Reedley, California, may a trustee distribute firearms to a person who she was previously told was prohibited from owning or possessing weapons? My response would be, first of all, the trustee um, should not be doing that. Okay, it says, trustee has already allowed prohibited persons to take possession of 12 firearms, and I have three left instead of having a, an FFL, that's a, a licensed firearms dealer, handle the transfer. Can we participate in the physical transfer? Isn't this all a felony? It could very well be a felony, and I would stay away from getting involved with that at all and advise the person they need to handle that transfer through a licensed firearms dealer. And they may not, the person may be a prohibited person to receive firearms, so you don't want to be giving firearms to a prohibited person because uh, that could then involve you in committing a felony as well. It's a very serious felony giving firearms to someone who is not entitled to have them. Okay, well, that's it for the show today. Uh, just a reminder, I do have workshops coming up on the 28th, which is a Wednesday at 9.30. 11 a.m. and 1 o'clock p.m. in the afternoon. You can go to lawbob.com and click on Seminars and Workshops for more information. So have a great weekend, Bay Area. This is attorney Bob Bergman. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman.
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.